Welcome to What God is Teaching. This podcast is all about what God is teaching my friends and me as we walk with Jesus by studying the Bible and being led by the Holy Spirit. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two. So as you could tell by the title, today we're going to talk about what it means to be a lukewarm Christian. And believe it or not, this is actually one of the biggest things that God has taught me so far in my walk with him. And it's because I used to be lukewarm. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, But to start, we're going to start out with a text from the Bible. It's going to be Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. And this is where the Bible talks about lukewarm people. So just to set the context a little bit, Revelation is the last book of the New Testament. It's the last book of the Bible. It was written around 95 AD, and it was written by John. John is referred to as the beloved apostle. He was Jesus' closest apostle. In the last episode, we talked a little bit about John. We talked about how when he saw Jesus, he fell like a dead man. And this is actually the book that this happens in. Um, So basically, this book is a vision that Jesus gives to John to tell him how things will unfold in the end. There's a lot of tough things to work through in Revelation, but it can be summed up with two words. Jesus wins. The theme of Revelation is Jesus wins. Jesus returns to earth. He saves his people. He takes the church home and he defeats Satan. Boom. Revelation. (laughs) So the first chapter of Revelation is when John sees Jesus and he falls like a dead man. When we we talked about that last week. Um, So this is the opening of it. And then the second and third chapters, Jesus is talking specifically to churches, to seven specific churches in that time located in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. So he's talking to these churches, and he, and he warns them, he encourages them, he admonishes them. He says a lot of different things to these churches. But the church we're going to talk about today is the seventh church that he addresses, the last church that he addresses, which is the church of Laodicea. And this is the church that Jesus calls lukewarm. This is where we're going to start today. Revelation verses 3, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see." Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches." So let me kind of break down what I used to believe about this text. Um, So the way I I had heard it taught was, so verses 15 and 16, they talk about how Jesus says to them, you are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. I wish that you were hot or cold, but since you are lukewarm, I would spit you out of my mouth. 
So what I had been taught was that the cold person was the person who was far from God. This person was not a Christian. I had been taught that the hot person was the person who was on fire for the Lord, like the spirit-filled Christian who is doing everything that they possibly can to expand the kingdom of God. And I had been taught that the lukewarm person was the person that was kind of on the fence. They were a Christian, and they went to church, and they did some Christian things, but they were not all the way committed. Now, the text says that Jesus would rather us be cold than lukewarm. So what I had been taught was that God would rather us be far away from him and not follow him at all than kind of be on the fence. And this really bothered me um, because I didn't like the idea that God would rather us be a non-believer. He'd rather us be far away from him than just kind of be following him. And it bothered me a lot because at that time I was that lukewarm person. So they were teaching me that God would rather me be an unbeliever than the state I was in. And it was really weird that I was conscious of the fact that I was kind of halfway in, halfway out. Um, But yeah, that's what I had been taught. So I thought about this for a little bit, but eventually I just thought like, oh, well, I'm still a Christian. The lukewarm people are Christians. I'll go to heaven. So it doesn't really matter if I'm lukewarm because I'm going to go to heaven. I prayed a prayer. I walked an aisle. So I'm saved. Doesn't really matter if I'm lukewarm. So I left it at that for a little bit. And then a while later, I read a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. And in this book, he talks about lukewarm people. And he says in the book, this is a quote from Crazy Love. He says, as I see it, a lukewarm Christian is an oxymoron. There is no such thing. To put it plainly, churchgoers who are lukewarm are not Christians. We will not see them in heaven. And this bothered me too, but this bothered me for a different reason. So the first teaching that lukewarm people were kind of on the fence, but they were still Christians bothered me because I didn't want to think that God would rather me have be an unbeliever. But this teaching bothered me because it's saying I am an unbeliever. Um, And I was aware of the fact that I was kind of halfway in, halfway out, like I said. And this is kind of rooted in a a different teaching that I had been believing at the time that I think is wrong. Um, You might have heard it said, like easy believism. You kind of pray a prayer, you walk an aisle, you sign a card, and you're saved. And there's, you don't really need to have fruit after that. As long as you do that, you're saved. So I was thinking there's no way that this is true, that lukewarm people are not Christians, because I prayed a prayer, I signed a paper that said I gave my life to Jesus, so I'm good, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But since I've started studying the scriptures by myself, studying the Bible by myself, um, and really learning from God from the Bible, I realized that that idea is nowhere in the Bible. It is nowhere in the New Testament. Um, you never hear, ask Jesus into your heart. You never hear, um, repeat these words after me. None that When someone preaches the gospel, they never, they never say that um, to say the sinner's prayer. They never tell you to walk an aisle, sign a card, whatever. There's no such thing in scripture. All you really see is repent, turn from your sins, and believe the gospel. That's actually the first thing that Jesus preached when he was on earth. In Mark 1, Um, verse 15, he says, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand or it's near. He tells them to turn from their sins and believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And a passage that really got me on this was Acts 2 when Peter is preaching the gospel. So Peter preaches the gospel to this huge crowd and he tells them basically Jesus is Lord. Jesus was crucified. He rose on the third day. He tells them the gospel. And then they come up to him after and in verse uh, 37 of chapter 2 of Acts, they ask him, what do we do now? Like, they're basically like, we've heard this, um, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins and that he rose from the grave, but what do we do now? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. Notice here, he doesn't say, like with every eye closed and every head bowed, repeat these words after me. And that's really weird because that's what we hear a lot now. He just tells them to turn from their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins or because you have been forgiven of your sins and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So these two teachings that I have heard, uh, the first teaching was that you would rather be an unbeliever than be lukewarm, but the lukewarm person is a Christian. And that didn't make much sense to me and it really bothered me. And then the second teaching was that the lukewarm people are not Christians. And this logically made more sense, but it still bothered me because it was telling me I wasn't a Christian. But and then I studied the passage more deeply. I would encourage you to do that. When you don't understand it, study it more deeply. Don't just believe everything that people tell you. That can be dangerous. That's what I was doing. Um, so once I studied the context of this passage, I learned a few things. I learned that the church of Laodicea, the church that is being written to, was very rich. They were very materially rich. They had a lot of stuff, but they didn't have water, which is really weird. They're really rich, but they don't have water because the place that they were built in didn't have a source of water. But they were built between two... Our Laodicea was built right in the middle of two other cities. They were built between Colossae. You've probably heard of Colossae before. The book of Colossians in the New Testament was written to Colossae. And then Hierapolis. They were built between Colossae and Hierapolis. Now, Colossae had a cold springs in their town. And Hierapolis had a hot springs in their town. So what they did is they built aqueducts from Colossae to Laodicea and from Hierapolis to Laodicea so that Laodicea would have cold water and hot water. But by the time the water got to Laodicea, the water was lukewarm and unaccustomed visitors would actually spit the water out of their mouth because it was gross. They didn't want lukewarm water. Now that I understood that, it's starting to come together. That like you realize it doesn't say anywhere in the text that the cold is bad. It doesn't say anywhere in the text that the lukewarm is on the fence. It's kind of just something we assume. It says that the, the, it's communicating that the cold is good, it's refreshing, the hot is good, it's useful, and the lukewarm is gross. It's spit out of the visitor's mouth. It's not good. And then you look at the language that Jesus uses to describe this church. He calls them wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, this is definitely not describing a believer. Just a few descriptions of believers in the New Testament is made holy, made righteous, chosen one, holy nation, royal priesthood, and they're even called the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Jesus would not use this type of language, wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked, to describe his bride. And then you realize that these aren't even just like mere descriptions. Jesus is pinpointing very specific things about this church and about this city. Specifically, when Jesus says blind and naked, the reason that Laodicea was wealthy, materially wealthy, is because they made eye salve, they healed people's eyes, and they made garments, they clothed people. But Jesus calls them blind and naked. It's really interesting. It's almost like he's saying to them, like you think you know what you're doing clothing people, but you really have no idea. You're naked because you have not been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. It's like he's saying, you think that you know what you're doing with people's eyes, but your eyes have not been opened to the truth of God. You're blind and you think that you're rich, but you're absolutely poor because you don't have the riches of heaven because you don't really know God. So the conclusion that you come to and the correct interpretation of this text is that the lukewarm person is not a Christian. 
And if you want proof, you just try to find it in the Bible. Try to find a lukewarm Christian in the Bible. You won't find any. Everyone that you find in the Bible that's kind of halfway in, halfway out, um, it's not good. It's, it's bad. It portrays it as bad. But every Christian you find in the Bible, none of them would be described as lukewarm. Because everyone who truly knows Jesus is not lukewarm. They have fruit. They bear repentance. Just look at the apostles or look at any of their early Christians or even Christians now in places where Christianity is illegal or where it's illegal to share the gospel. I mean, Stephen, the first Christian martyr in Acts 7 was stoned. You have James, Paul, Matthias were all beheaded. Philip, Bartholomew, and Jude were all crucified. Matthew was killed with a sword. Andrew was crucified in an X. And the list goes on and on and on. Just Christians giving their whole lives to this. You don't really see any halfway in, halfway out people um, that are following Jesus in the Bible. So back to the lukewarm, to the lukewarm person. That was me. And I was not a Christian. And I didn't even know it. I was lukewarm. But the crazy thing is that I was doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I was reading my Bible. I prayed. I played bass on my worship team. I was a Youth for Christ leader. I was even a student leader in my youth group at my church. But I really did not know Jesus. I was doing all of these Christian things, but I really did not know God. Someone who really knows Jesus intimately is changed in every area of their life. And I wasn't. I had no repentance. I had no turning from sin. Sure, I loved Jesus on my Instagram and on a stage when I was holding a bass, but behind closed doors, I loved my sin and enjoyed my sin so much more than I loved God and enjoyed God. I mean, even when I read my Bible, it was just like words on a page to me. I wasn't treating it like it was alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through bone and marrow like the Bible says it is. And when I prayed, it was more like talking to a black void than meeting with the Jesus that I really knew intimately like I do now. And when I served at my church, it was like more for self-image than anything. It wasn't because I loved the bride of Christ. But my fear is that a lot of people in our churches today are in this state. Actually, Jesus says that this will be many people in the end. In Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So these people that Jesus Jesus is talking about, these are people that went around saying, Lord, Lord. When you see a word repeated in the Bible, that's important. They were literally, they were saying, Lord, Lord, like in, in public. They were declaring Jesus And they were doing all of these things, but they really didn't know God. And the response of Jesus, I never knew you, depart from me. And this is where I was. I was doing all of these things, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him. So you should ask yourself, is this me? Am I lukewarm? Am I the person who is kind of trying to be one foot in and one foot out? I mean, I like the idea of Jesus, but I also really love my sin and want to continue in that. And if that is you, you're probably lukewarm. And we've established here, um, scripturally, biblically, that the lukewarm person is not a Christian. But we cannot forget that it doesn't end there. So many people preach this, and then they end it there. You're, you're lukewarm, and then you leave the church service just leaving or uh, feeling terrible about yourself. But you can't leave it there, because you can't forget what Jesus says in the next few verses. He says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous 
and repent. He says, those whom I love, he's not saying this to be mean. He's not telling them they're lukewarm to be mean. He's telling them this because he loves them. And because he loves them, he disciplines them. And then he tells them, be zealous and repent. Be joyful and turn from your sins. And then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So he says, be zealous and repent. Turn from your sins. Trust Jesus. He's standing at the door and knocking. And if you open the door, he will come eat with you. He will. That's a sign of fellowship. He will come fellowship with you. He will be your friend. So if you would repent today and trust Jesus, you will be saved. If you're lukewarm, obviously, yeah, that's a bad thing. That's where I was, but it doesn't end there. You just don't sit there in shame. Jesus died for that. Jesus died to cover that, and he rose from the grave to cover that. And if you repent, be zealous and repent, trust Jesus, he will come in and eat with you. He will fellowship with you, but you're either all in or you're not in at all. There's no on-the-fence thing that doesn't exist. There's no, like, on-the-fence Christian. And you might lose a lot, like we talked about earlier. The apostles lost their lives. People lose a lot following Jesus. Even our brothers and sisters now in the Middle East and some places in North Africa are losing their lives and being imprisoned and being kicked out of families for converting to Christianity. And the same could be true for you. But knowing Jesus, knowing God, is so worth losing everything on earth. So today, put your trust in Jesus. Repent from your sin. And you will know God forever. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow What God is Teaching on Instagram for updates, and we will see you next time.